Welcome to Clued Up But Clueless. This is a podcast that takes you on a journey of levelling up and growth. We're going to talk about all things self, all things work, and all things money. Join, it's me Karina, and Gloria, also known as Coco Not Quite Chanel. So let's go. Let's go. go. Hey guys, welcome back. We're here at episode 10. We made it to a dozen. No, oh my god, 10's not a dozen. <laughs> Let me start again. No, keep it in. Should I keep it in? We need to know that we're human. Okay, we're all human. We made it to 10. We all make mistakes, guys. We made it to 10, our, our decade. A decade, yeah. What is it, a decade? Yeah, a decade is 10 years. Yeah, yeah. And we made 100 followers on Instagram, actually, also. So our century on Instagram. Wonderful. Being on 10 episodes feels quite significant when we started this. It's it's quite some progress. And also, I'm not too sure, but my sound quality might be sounding a little better than usual this week. Got myself a nice She's popping her collar. She's got a proper microphone, you guys. She invested in herself and in her what future um, multiple income stream. Not right now, but one day. <laughs> yeah, one day. Cash out clued up, but clueless. We need to start that, honestly. We will get like a cute little five pounds every month, maybe. No, I, I know we got a couple of friends send over one pound. <laughs> It'll be like the same, the same friends that have been supporting us from the beginning. Like, okay, girls, you must need this. Yeah, they'll be like, okay, so now you're begging on a cool. <laughs> well, for today's episode, it actually ties in quite well. Not not the begging part, but you know, um, income flowing in. Hopefully, um, we're going to be talking a little bit about um how to diversify your income streams. So, if you are someone who maybe is looking to branch out into new ventures, maybe you have some hobbies that you're thinking about monetizing, or simply you're not getting paid enough and you want to know how you can get your money up in the meantime maybe before you look for something else or you know just start something on the side in addition to what you're doing anyway we've got a few tips that could probably help you so stay tuned Mm -hmm. and before we jump into that as usual we just wanted to give you a bit of an update on our weeks and what we've been up to so Gloria you're coming to the end of your three months off now what have you been up to this week and what are your plans for next week well oh god it's, it feels so sad that I've come to the end of this journey but um at the moment this week I really took to actually relax because I'd done um quite a lot of traveling I think like every two weeks I've kind of gone somewhere uh this week I really was focusing on getting back into the gym when the days start getting shorter and it starts getting a bit colder my mood tends to like dip quite a bit so I've just been trying to do the best for my mental, really relax, sleep in, watch some Netflix, but start to actually um, get myself geared up for going back to the office. So I've been trying to maintain my bedtime. I've gone back to my French classes actually as well, guys, this week. Um, But this time I have three days of French a week. So that's quite a lot of time commitment. So yeah, just trying to figure out how that will work um, on a practical level, kind of, um, as a part of my after work life as well this week has been quite interesting I think it's going to be a lot I'm not going to be um like dancing around that issue especially if I want to have any kind of social life so I think I'd only be able to really go out like one day a week kind of for the next few months at least um because three days a week that are you planning to continue three lessons of French every day when you go back to work full time 
yeah so when I sign up for my French classes it's like it's a I like a evening school situation at a local university so I actually sign up for the whole semester so I'm doing this at least until February and then there's another semester after that I also enroll in so yeah for the whole of the winter at least I'm going to be doing three days a week and then on top of that obviously like I have to do the gym just for my mental so I'll do that three to four days a week also so it's a full program and it made me realize that I'm only really gonna have like one or two personal days where I just kind of either do nothing or hang out with people um, a week so yeah just trying to get back into that mindset and get myself like geared up for that mentally has been what I've been focused on and next week um, I'm actually going on holiday again which is gonna ruin all that lovely work <laughs> so I'm going to Dubai um, it's going to be very cute though it's like a daddy daughter trip so me my sister and my dad really looking forward to it I'm going to eat a lot I'm going to drink a lot now we're able to do that in the United Arab Emirates so yeah I'm excited about it so what about you Karina how has your last week been and what have you got planned for next week so I moved house last week um and I've been settling in so you know the typical when you move house you've got to do all that unboxing and setting up your room and like still trying to figure out how like getting into the swing of living with someone again because I'm living with my girl Jody now um and I've like overspent buying loads of new plants not that I needed any more but <laughs> all that stuff <laughs> so yeah a lot of like domesticated things and even you know like readjusting to like, working from home but from this space instead of my other space but I'm, I've got like a desk in my room and there's also a co-working space in my new building like a hot desking type situation if I want to use that so yeah just settling all in and then this weekend I had a few cool business lunches and meetings for the app what else did I do? Saw more the comedian, went on some drives around the city. It's been it's been a nice one actually. It's been a pretty good week. Next week, pretty much same again. So nothing like I don't have any exciting Dubai trips to report, unfortunately. <laughs> but my childhood best friend has just had her first baby. And I want to try and get down to Manchester probably next weekend if I can, just to go and visit before she grows too much. Really, really. it's scary how quickly we're growing up, isn't it? It's frightening. Yeah. <laughs> Because before, like, at one point, none of my friends had babies. And now it's like, okay, there's quite a few babies in my life now. Oh, it's so it's so cute, though. I will say, uh, Karina, just before we came on air, posted an Instagram story with her goddaughter on it. And she is the cutest thing I've ever seen. I hate content like that because it makes me broody when I know I should not be. But it, it's so beautiful. And also, Karina's being very, like, hush-hush, like, bashful about this apartment she moved into. Guys, the views that I've been seeing are so lovely and so lush and so nice. Her place before was also very, very lovely in a very respectable part of town. But this new apartment, wow, it's it's really giving what it should be giving. Let's it, put it that it, way. I can't lie. I've never lived in a new build before or anything ultra modern. So my old place was like so very classical textbook postcard London. And then this place is very modern, very glass, like white walls and square rooms but it's actually quite a luxury to live somewhere where everything's working and everything's ultra modern and you know when they build new builds like this they build it for us like working millennials who work from home so at the bottom it's not completed yet but there's going to be a gym and a coffee shop and a restaurant and a bar and then obviously we've got the co-working room we've got the roof terrace like it's really cool, actually. We wish you all the best for the rest of your move-in. And honestly, she talks about these plants 
like they're her kids so but they but they they have also been adding so much to the space like every single day I see a new plant like a new like goldy brass pot and I'm like okay there's another one yeah. <laughs> I, I think I have like 14 plants now in my room maybe more maybe less but I think I want to get a few hanging ones from the ceiling you know mm-hmm, okay that jungle vibe you know you walk in and you're like yes I've walked into the jungle to a nature room <laughs> You're, you're like, yes, I'm going to get bitten by mosquitoes any second now. I love it. I love it. We'll keep like post some pics and keep everyone updated because, you know, I'm always so interested to see how people organize their spaces, maybe because I'm nosy, but definitely like post pictures when you do. Yeah, spaces say a lot about a person because like mm-hmm. I'm in Jodie's room, they're both so lovely, but they're both so different that you can really see our personalities in our rooms. So yeah, multiple income streams is the topic for this week. And we thought it was just really important right now because I think with the pandemic and although things are going back to normal, I think a lot of people are struggling with the concept of going back to an office or getting straight back into a full nine to five. And a lot of people have been exploring this concept of having multiple income streams. So for those listeners who are completely unaware of what this means, it literally as it says, is just having like multiple ways that money comes into your account on multiple accounts. So you're not just relying on one thing to give you money. And probably, I don't know percentages, but the vast majority of the population will only have one income stream, which will be their pay, you know, their wages at the end of every month. And it's, it's challenging because it means you're relying on one person. You know, if your employer suddenly goes bankrupt, you've lost all form of income. Or if you suddenly lose your job or like another pandemic happens, a lot of people are screwed because they're just relying on one thing. And obviously the more income streams you have, the more stability you have. And I looked up online because I was doing a little bit of digging and all millionaires and billionaires aside from those who have inherited their wealth have multiple income streams and the average amount of income streams that millionaires and billionaires have is seven so Mm -hmm. that's actually quite telling when you think the rest of us probably have one or two at most um and I'd say Gloria you probably agree but it's almost impossible to make a lot of money just on a regular job alone like even if you're on a high salary you're never going to hit those marks where you're like making generational wealth and becoming a millionaire through just having one salary and no other form of income exactly exactly and I will say this this is a good point to bring up something that people say a lot on Twitter which is that you can't become a millionaire doing a nine-to-five you definitely can but it goes to what Karina is saying like you just need to learn how to make your money because you have a lot of buying power and a lot of extra money going around. You need to learn how to channel that into ways that work for you. So no matter who you are, whether you work in in a job that maybe is a bit closer to minimum wage or someone who obviously has like a really high paying job, there's always something that you can do to just elevate your position and make sure that you're thinking more so for the future. So yeah. Exactly. And like leveraging that salary when it does come in, in a way that makes another income stream. So to start off, I'm just going to explain like what some of the common different income streams are. And I've already spoke about the main one, which is earned income. And earned income is literally from doing something. So it requires your time and effort. And that can be from doing a job, 
doing a gig, like getting a booking, anything that requires you to do something in order to get paid is earned income. And it's the most popular type that most of the gener- most of the population have. Um, so think of earned income for a lot of people. It's kind of your base standard income. And it's usually the one that you're most reliant on and the one that you budget from. And all of the other incomes until you get to a certain point add up to that. And then eventually the aim is that your other income overtakes the end income so that you can stop doing things so you can have more time and make money without actually having to put time into it. Um, And then another source of income stream is called profit income. And again, it's kind of self-explanatory, but profit income is the profit you make from selling something. So anytime you sell something for more than it costs, that is profit whether that's, and Gloria will explain more of this later, but whether that's you selling something online and making money from that, that's profit income. And on the larger scale, that's when manufacturers and businesses, Apple, for example, they're making iPhones and they're obviously selling them for more than how much it costs them to make them. All of that is profit income. Um, Interest income is probably not as common for most of us because we don't have huge money to lend and I'm not recommending that anyone becomes a loan shark here but interest income is when you give money (laughs) and you get money from that interest so that's usually the ultra wealthy like millionaires and billionaires actually loan money to banks so that banks can then loan money to other people and they literally just get money on that interest and obviously the way we see it in the real world in our in our levels is like loan sharks just giving someone 100 pounds and saying you pay me back 120 tomorrow or I'll break your legs but it's useful to know because this is how a lot of the rich are making money and I think it's a topic that we should talk about in the future but like the different types of money and the different ways that like money is actually used in our economy because surprisingly banks don't have that much of it um and they do have to leverage and take it from other people dividend income is another one of the most common income streams and that's when you get your little notification from your trading app and it's like you've just made 27 cents from your share in apple and then everyone's tweeting about quitting their nine to five because they've got their dividends but that that is money being that generational wealth you guys generational wealth. Some- quit your job quit your job Uh, but dividend income is money made from being a shareholder in a company. So we've spoken in the past about buying stocks and shares. And when you're a shareholder, you do tend to get paid dividends. When you own one share, the dividend might be 20 cents per share. But when you're talking in terms of like you own a thousand shares or even more, you can see how that is, again, another really profitable source of income for some people. And that's when we're talking about, like, if you get money from your earned income, if you get money from your salary, you could start investing in shares so that you're creating another income stream for yourself, which would be the dividend income. And that's a really nice way to get started. If you only have a little bit of money, you could begin doing that. Um, Again, another common one is rental income. So if you own a property and you rent it out, the money you're making from that rent is another form of passive income. And I think on Twitter right now, it's something that people are talking about a lot is that they want to become landlords. They want to buy property because most people know that rental income is very lucrative, especially if you can buy in cities where a lot of people rent. Um, Capital gains income as well. 
and this is not a test by the way guys you don't have to remember all of this but I just think it's useful to have a good understanding of what we mean by multiple income streams but the capital gains income is when you buy an asset and it increases in value that could be property and you might buy it for 100 grand and in 10 years it's worth like 300 grand that capital gains is that extra 200k that you've made on the property just by it being sat there and people obviously they'll have jewelry and expensive cars and even some designer bags actually will be valid um but that yeah that's basically assets increasing in value and then finally is royalty income which is very applicable for things like musicians but royalty income is basically when people use something of your intellectual property or that you own they have to pay you to use it so musicians is one um people who have brands franchises um even like when certain films, if they show certain products, they have to pay. And as I said earlier, the average millionaire or billionaire has um, at least seven income streams. So most of them have one of every one of the income streams I've just mentioned. Some of them will have more. Some of them might have 10 companies that are in profit. So they're getting 10 forms of profit income as well as dividends. But the more that you can spread your money out into all the different income streams and the better position you'll tend to be in financially and the more security you'll have because there's going to be times when the market crashes. So your dividend income isn't going to be that great or there's going to be a time when, you know, you might lose your job. So your earned income goes down, but your profit income is high. So, yeah, that's a good overview of the different income streams. And then what we want to explore now is just more about how you can increase your income streams for your own situation. And I'll let Gloria take that. Yeah. So as Karina's explained what the different income streams are, I'm explaining how we achieve those goals and how we get that money. So um, I've just written down like a few ideas because I know obviously different people have different talents, naturally speaking. So saying, for example, okay, become a landlord might not work for everyone. So I hope that I've got together like a little list that is diverse enough for you to kind of find out what might work for you within that if this is something you are interested in and the first thing I will say is a very like OG kind of um, way to make some side income and it's drop shipping and the reason why I say um, drop shipping is a bit OG is because these Instagram pages that just sell a whole lot of nothing but seem to be like very successful have been here since basically as long as I remember this app being a thing and a lot of those stores have then now gone to become like actual legitimate businesses that do their own designs and x y and z so it's anything from selling clothes to selling household like furnishings anything like that but there's actually a method to doing drop shipping in a very smart way that requires a lot less effort than people realize and I kind of got this tip from watching a few um, of the YouTube channels that I do finance YouTube channels and listening to some of the um, interviews and one was with this guy I think he was like he's like a Russian immigrant um, kid I can't pronounce his name Behesa or whatever he's like 18 years old like a millionaire so he was talking about a bit about how he got there and he said that when he was in high school he started a drop shipping business and he actually um dropped the name of a very good website and I did check before we went on air and it's still there it's called Ali Shark so Ali Shark I'm gonna pronounce Making it again notes. say it slowly make please make notes because it honestly is such a hack and if I had it in me to f- do the order fulfillment side of this I would jump on this so if 
if you are someone that maybe has a bit more flexible schedule and can actually like maintain an online shop or you have the resources to maybe have someone else that can help you with that definitely get on Ali Sharp because basically what it does is tell you the top performing items on AliExpress and Alibaba so you kind of um have the general economic problem not to make this boring but um it's a supply or a demand thing people need to demand things and then you can fulfill that demand with your supply so this takes care of the first part because you know what people want so you have a guaranteed consumer base for these products the second part is the supply Obviously, the idea is that because you know that these things are moving well, you buy in bulk. So you do need a bit of capital to start this up, but it's AliExpress. So you can kind of like adjust the orders kind of as and when you want, you know, to suit what you can handle at that time. You set up some kind of um, storefront. It can either be an actual Shopify front, which is not um, necessarily too complex to set up. Or if you want to be like really rudimental with it at first and use something a bit more familiar, you could just set up a page on Instagram and you can basically just make sure all of the items that are moving well on AliShark kind of vaguely belong to the same category. So you can give your store some kind of theme and, you know, just churn out the content, churn out the content with Instagram, with anything else like that. It's all about the content because you need people to discover your products and stuff like that. Obviously, I'm not a shop owner, I'm not an expert, but it's all about visibility. It's all about brand association. So you kind of can build up from that point. And because you know people are looking for what you're selling, um, using Ali Shark could kind of guarantee you to at least not pick items that are not going to move so it's just you advertising your prices your product and getting yourself out there but it works really quite well he said so yeah um i would definitely recommend that as a, as a hack because it's 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 a it's a good one and if you're an entrepreneurial person definitely do that another thing i'll say of a similar vein is um amazon um fulfillments so obviously um, Amazon is a one-stop shop for pretty much every single thing. And there are a lot of um, multiple listings for things. So for example, if you're looking for something super generic, like scotch tape, um, scotch tape or just, you know, sellotape because we're in England and we call every single kind of tape sellotape unless it's duct tape. <laughs> but if, you, if you're someone um, who lives next to, for example, like a, convenience store of some kind or like a DIY store of some kind that has reasonable prices there's nothing stopping you from kind of like listing what you know you have access to on Amazon and seeing if people like need those orders like fulfilled you can you can offer to be some kind of supplier and kind of meet meet the two ends in the middle so you obviously have the other person who's more so managing the page but you just make sure that they have the inventory so yeah and that's another good option and beyond this if you're someone who's a bit more creative because these first two forms of kind of profit income like more so sales-based things don't actually require any creativity but if you're someone who likes the idea of the sales part but also wants to do something maybe a bit more creative. Um, I did for a while in uni sell on Depop. And I know there's a lot of drama, which is why there's literally a whole page called Depop drama that makes me die every time. Um, because selling to people is not easy. Working with the public is not easy. But what I would say about Depop specifically is it really does reward people for their creativity. So if you're someone who can capture images well or is good at styling, um, you can definitely um, make a lot of money on Depop 
maybe by specializing in some vintage goods. If you live next to good quality vintage stores, or if you just buy cheaper vintage things on eBay that people might not look at, but because of your talent for styling and um, kind of the way you capture the images, it just looks good and people really want it. You can charge a huge markup, which is what these girlies do on Depop because a lot of these vintage items, let's be real, cost maybe like five pounds and they're selling it for 50. If you want to dedicate your time to building a brand kind of through those avenues, it's really lucrative as well. A lot of people then move on to have legitimate stores. So off the top of my head, um, stores that I know and I've personally shopped at in the past that started off in this way, some house of cb i was going to say celebrity but that is a throwback and a half it's house of cb now child <laughs> but i know connor walker she started in that same way where she was on um ebay at like 16 but she was like just getting stock from other places now pre-made designs and then from that she grew her business to then make her own designs um nasty gal the original nasty gal not the new nasty gal after it got bought but the original nasty gal um it made her a millionaire also she had a whole netflix show about her life and her progress as well had a whole platform called girl boss from the success of nasty gal but that actually started as an ebay store where she would sell vintage clothes too um one of my favorite bloggers as well who now has her own brand that has about a quarter of a million followers she started on ebay there are so many that i can think of off the top of my head ragged priest that was stocked at top shop for a long time r.i.p top shop but they now have a standalone store they started on eBay and I remember shopping at all of these different um, different stores when they were just doing weird vintage pieces. But because of the way that they styled it and the brand um, identity that they built, they were able to actually start their own brands because they built a really loyal customer base. So if you're much more akin to that and you want to get into sales, there are just like uh, strategic ways to do it. But you really need to think what works for you. Do you just want to focus on kind of profit maximization? You don't really like the creative side of things, maybe something like drop shipping. But if you do want to make it a bit more creative, spend time on things like Depop and maybe eBay and build a brand through that. So that's kind of like my first suggestion. And I'm not sure if Karina wants to chime in with any of your experiences on either drop shipping or on, you know, like reselling or Depop or anything like that. I don't know. I just think it's a really good point that you were making about, um, did you say Drop Shark was the name or something like that? Ali Shark, Ali Shark. There we go. Clearly I didn't make a note, but um, it's just the idea that it's telling you beforehand because one of the biggest um, issues I think people find with doing something like drop shipping is that if they're having to buy it in advance um, or buying products in advance, then obviously you're left with all this stock that you might not be able to move. And I know there's also other options where you don't actually purchase it until someone else has made a purchase. So if you're going into something like that, see if, like Gloria mentioned, if you live near a hardware store or something, but do see if there's ways where you don't actually have to make the purchase until someone else has bought from you so that you're not left with dead stock and you're not having all these upfront costs. Um, but on the Depop front, I mean, yeah, these girlies are making money. These They're really making quite a lot of money. And you see these stores on, because I, I was just thought Depop was basically like an eBay for clothes, but it's really become so much more than that now. And there's brands and there's everything. So creative people think about even teaming up with someone else. If you're not, say you're not a creative, but you have a friend who is, you could team up together and do a joint Depop and create a brand from it. One of you focuses on the shipping side and just getting soft in the stock and the other one makes it look pretty and aesthetically pleasing to try and get more sales yeah I completely agree with Karina I think that's definitely the way to go and on Karina's previous point about um dead stock and um 
a, a, a too much inventory being like left over. Uh, a lot of what I'm seeing, this maybe more goes um, to the people that want to start like legitimate stores. So if you want to actually start like an online business, uh, one model that you could use, and I'm seeing used a lot more, is the pre-order model. So to stop like the waste of materials, a lot of different companies, small independent businesses that I shop for will purposely say that this item is available for pre-order and they will say, okay, it will take a few weeks to get into production. But that way, you know how many guaranteed orders that you have that have already been like fully paid up for something before you buy the materials. Right. So working down the list, um, the next kind of avenue I was going to go down, which actually really leads into like the creative side of thing that me and Karina were just talking about it's actually the opportunities you can get through social media and you will be surprised how much money people are making from not even having um, that larger following because it's all about the engagement and sometimes it's all about the quality of the content that you're churning out there are a lot of people who are what you'd call micro influencers they're really making bank because it's more so about how well your content does um, and the ratio um, of kind of engagement, so likes and comments um, to the amount of followers that you have. So I would say if you're someone who actually really enjoys social media, you kind of use it anyway. And, you know, you take pleasure in producing content, definitely try and maybe like spend a bit more time trying to monetize those platforms if it's something that you want to do. And um, there's definitely a strategy to being successful in social media. And a lot of it has got to do with just consistent content and high quality content. And obviously that does take a lot of time and energy and effort but if it's something that you really want to do I don't see why you couldn't just dedicate maybe like a weekend to doing like batches of content in one go and just like really making a go of it as long as you have some people that really support you you know you might need some support on for example like lighting filming taking the actual pictures but um it's something now social media that's made um a lot of things people could only have dreamed of accessible to everyone. So I know a lot of people, I follow one girl and this is like her first year being like a full-time YouTuber, for example. And she was working a corporate job and she, she even said in her video where she was talking about how it felt to switch over, what made her decide, stuff like that, that like she could have never imagined being paid money to like go and like look at clothes and review clothes because it's stuff that she enjoyed doing anyway so it's definitely something for people that don't want to suffer in this life um if you enjoy doing the things that you enjoy it could be anything cooking uh, there are people there's one girl and she makes money eating food i eat for free so i need to be this girl and people pay me to do that shit Honestly, Karina, when I was like, wow, capitalism has gotten to this point where just any old common thing that we're doing, people will actually pay to view it. Wow, I need yeah. I need to change my life. I saw one babes who was getting paid to sneeze. Men, men really yes. like to get off on watching women sneeze. So she'd literally go and come and sneeze and guys would send her money. You see, you see how people are living the life that you only dream of. <laughs> <laughs> but it's literally that like think of anything that you vaguely enjoy doing or would do for free and trust me there's some kind of way you can build a whole brand around that and 
get monetized. So definitely explore all the opportunities. Obviously, like this episode is only so long. So we are not going to go like into depth each of these platforms, how you can monetize the strategy. It's probably like not our forte either, but I'll see if there's a, a way because there are a few videos that do come to mind where I know for YouTube, I can definitely give you actual videos in the show notes, maybe where people talk about their actual journey um, going from creating free content to getting paid, how much they get paid by brands they actually talk figures which I like because I hate when people are like living lavish on YouTube or Instagram stuff like that and it's not quite clear how much is gifted how much comes from the fact that they're being paid well it's all a bit of a blend and a bit of a mirage but the fact that these people are actually talking this is vaguely my average monthly income this is like the amount of brands I will have contact me about this this is the amount of followers that I got to before I decided to try and make this a permanent gig. Like, and they talk through their decision process on how they do that. And on Instagram, there's this um, Instagram page. I think it's called the Influencer Pay Gap. I'm just going to type it in and double check that I'm not lying. While you're typing that in, I just want to jump in on, on this um, social media point. And um, mm-hmm. just to say that it's actually not easy so if you do want to go down the social media route you can't just be like okay I'm going to make money off social media you actually do have to spend some time making quality content and making something unique about you yourself but if you put the time Mm -hmm. and effort in it's definitely very lucrative like if this is something that interests people more we could have a guest speaker on who deals with like kind of influencer pay and they could talk more on it but yeah, right. I definitely think if this is a route you're going to go down, then do focus really heavily on like making yourself unique and quality content. Yeah, I, I second every single thing Karina says. And I think that's one of the common misconceptions about this line of work is that people assume that these people don't really work so much because everything they do looks fun. Firstly, it looks fun because they've the content to be engaging and fun for you um so they're not going to be showing you them struggling with things not being paid like they're not going to show you that generally speaking but it, it does take a toll and it takes a lot of dedication and consistency without any of the results coming and it takes a long time for most people to build their platforms it's not an overnight thing so you do really need to be dedicated but the influencer pay gap is a page on Instagram where they actually um, people anonymously um, direct message their earnings. So they tell you what platforms that they have, whether it's TikTok, they also do a bit of like YouTube. They have people um, talking about how much they earn on that. They have people talking about how much they earn on Instagram. So all of these different like major platforms, they tell you how many followers that they have on each of these platforms. They tell you the type of company that they were asked to um, do a project of work for. They also give their race, which I think is extremely important because basically this pay came about because it was noted that there was a big disparity in the um, kind of pay gap between um, like white um, influencers and black influencers on Instagram and this page kind of was born out of that but now it's kind of being used as a way for people to um, pinpoint what they should be accepting from brands when they do get approached so I think it's really useful thanks for sharing this because I'm just scrolling through the page now and this some of the highlights that I'm just seeing now proves that you actually don't have to have a lot of followers to be getting these numbers if your content's good enough then it's achievable perhaps within a year if you work really hard and consistently to build followers and engagement as well exactly that exactly that and On this note also, 
I was going to cover blogging, but I think blogging kind of comes within this whole sphere. And again, it's one of those things where it's just consistency, good quality content. And again, I think the influencer pay gap might cover blogging as well. So I'm not really going to get delved too deep into that anymore. Um, But another one that I thought it'd be really cool to talk a bit about is kind of like gig economy work. So especially now that, you know, we have a bit more flexibility and people don't necessarily want to be working in a traditional office job but you know that doesn't automatically mean that your only option is to become an entrepreneur entrepreneurship is not necessarily for everyone but um, one thing you can do is kind of rent out your skill set to people um, kind of on a freelance basis but the reason why I would say this is maybe for people in a more traditional kind of workspace is because I don't think it's talked about enough that people who, for example, are, um, for example, text editors, you know, things that are maybe considered a bit more traditional, let's say, can still um, freelance and hire out their skill sets. It's stuff that people still would like someone else to do because they maybe don't have the time to do it or the willpower to do it. And there are just different websites and different avenues that would probably suit different sorts of people. So I will say um, there's this, this website called Fiverr. Me and Queen have had a very interesting experience on Fiverr, but beyond our experience. Yeah, don't don't always go to Fiverr. Let's just say we we had to go elsewhere and pay much more for our logo. No, 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 no. I don't think that was Fiverr's fault. It was our fault for thinking that we were going to get a good logo for like £15. (laughs) Yeah, maybe when when the starting price is $15, you you might raise your eyebrow. Yeah. It was our fault. We were so cheap, but the guy came back with like clip art type words and basically like yeah, um, remember, changed the opacity in, of the background. Do you remember in primary school, literally clip art, you type in word art and you type in a word and you could have like the different like 3D fonts in Microsoft Word. That's literally what we got. Literally that. But case in point, see, the guy wasn't even good and he managed to scam us out of money. So you could scam people too with your variable skill sets. <laughs> So yeah, Fiverr is a really good one just because um, it, if you're someone who wants to start off freelancing, no matter what kind of freelancing you do, it gives you an exposure to like a bigger pool of clients because obviously depending on what market you're situated in, it might, might be quite difficult for you to like naturally come across clients. There's only so many client reviews that you could have. There's only so big your network is at the very beginning, unless you're already maybe working in that field and that's the point you started to branch out. If you kind of want to go in on this, like from the beginning and um, build your career starting freelance, getting the clients is usually the hardest part. And Fiverr definitely um, could get you a lot of exposure. And from that exposure and from the positive reviews, it's quite easy to build yourself on Fiverr. I'm going to also reference a video in the show notes that I think is fantastic. And it was about this girl that ended up making it's just like 24 or whatever. It was an episode of CNBC, Make It's Millennial Money. I love Millennial Money. It's the best YouTube channel um, when it comes to money because it's just people who do different jobs talking about how they got there, what they spend their money on in terms of budget and stuff like that. It's great. So that's a subtle plug for them. But it was this girl that was featured on it um, that and was a freelancer on Fiverr and was making 350K a year. And I was like, let, let me click into this video and see how, how girly did it. And it was really incredible. She obviously um, had a job writing, didn't like it. 
and just decided to do some Fiverr work on the side. But the way that she goes through how she was able to build herself on Fiverr through, you know, positive reviews, competitive pricing, and um, her strategy for how to get large pieces of writing done. I just thought it was incredible the amount of detail she goes into. And she also featured on a podcast that I listened to that I might link as well. And now she hires people to help fulfill um, her workload because she's got that many requests. So it's another one where if you have good quality work, you're consistent and you're willing to maybe work to the point of burnout sometimes um, for a little bit, you can really build a good reputation on Fiverr and Fiverr recognizes that. And the reason why I plug this particular platform is because then they elevate you and you're like an elite member or something. And at that point, you can really start charging higher prices for each of your pieces of work. But the good thing about that is you're able to charge the higher prices because you're you're being seen as a credible vendor at that point. So you attract good quality clientele and a lot of that will give you kind of repeat business. So it, it really is something that you can actively build on and they do recognize you for good work. So it's a pretty meritocratic system. Totally agree. You have anything from, and this girl was ghostwriting um, books but one of them was like a pet book. It was very weird. So you have writers, you have designers, you have people that do online metrics. Um, and if you really want to scam, there are YouTube videos where they teach you how to like make money with no skills. And one of them was basically talking about free services that people are charging money for on Fiverr. Again, I don't know why I'm telling everybody how to scam, but yeah, there are people who are able to charge for services that other online websites do for free. So for example, a lot of people who maybe have like shops, like online web stores or just um, online like business pages of any kind doesn't necessarily need to be retail based. A lot of them look for website analysis. So they want to see how many um, hits they get on their website. They want to see um, like a, just a general rundown of how their website's performing. And there are actually different websites online that perform this like analysis for free. But if you're lazy and you haven't really looked into how to go and find that, you are going to pay some kind of consultant or some kind of company to give you a report on how your website is performing. So what this video taught me is that that's just one of many examples where people are willing to pay for a service because they know they don't have the skill set to do it. But that service is something that you can find uh, online performed for free. So if you really do take the time um, to look at, I will say if you literally type that into YouTube, you'll get a million videos. But if you take the time and you want to set up a little Fiverr page doing that and hustling on the side and providing services that are essentially free, um, that's, a, that's a good way to get on um, to freelancing without having any skills, really. And also, even if you know sometimes like using a software like canva it's obviously free it's by no means a in design and real graphic designers can do so much better but for some people who just need a basic small flyer they'll be happy to spend tell, um sorry to send you 20 pound to create them a flyer which might take you a couple of minutes on canva for free like you're not always scamming even though it might feel like a scam sometimes true um like what karina says sometimes you don't realize that even your limited skill set if it is limited and you're not a pro is enough for you to still monetize and I think that's one thing we need to snap out of is assuming that we don't know enough to try and hire out our services 
because I'm thinking taking me and Karina as examples so we studied at uni correct like what stops us from providing essay proofreading services because like you can do that some people do pay even though Grammarly is right there for free um, some people do pay for those services because they would rather have someone human tell them different ways that they can improve their writing styles you don't necessarily need to be a pro to do that you just need to be someone who's maybe gone through that thing themselves another one um for the artsier people out there on this point uh, who do create things in their spare time i would say would be etsy so Etsy is like an online marketplace, but what separates Etsy from places like eBay is that Etsy is a lot more focused in um, independent um, businesses and independent creators. So if you, for example, have like a small candle making business, because that's what I think of every time I think of Etsy, I think of like middle-aged moms who want to buy like customized candle holders for some strange reason but you know it's much more for people who like create their own products not necessarily people who resell products and it's it's just another good way of having your your creations whatever they may be gain maximum exposure I have one friend who paints in his spare time and he just creates this art to put around his house and it got to a point where somebody was like why don't you sell it so he sets up an Etsy store and he says whenever he feels like painting for himself, he makes sure he does one or two extra pieces and just lists them on his Etsy. And because it's something that he's kind of doing at no extra expense to himself because he's already creating the art for himself and he enjoys it and he just only focuses on making these things when he's like already doing it and enjoys doing it. When he lists these things on the side, he doesn't really care if they don't sell straight away. But when they do, it's like, oh, it's a, like a nice bit of extra income that comes in. So, yeah, if you're if you're somebody who wants to do it in a more passive way like that, because you already like create and you don't mind creating one or two small extra pieces and seeing how that goes, definitely give it a try. Yeah. And just on the note about your friend who sells his paintings when they make more, you can also sell prints on Etsy. So I've bought art on there, which obviously it's not the original artwork, but some users will sell like, um, PD they'll send you a PDF of the original art and you can just literally download it on your printer and then you can send it to the printer yourself to print it at whatever size you need. But that's another option for you. Let's say you just create art for yourself. You could keep, you could keep the original, but sell the PDFs on Etsy for like a tenner or something that's costing you nothing at all. You don't have to post it. You don't have to print it. You don't have to do anything, but send them a PDF. That's actually a very good point. And on that point, not that we know enough about it, but if you're someone who does create original art in that way, maybe look into NFTs. It's a really buoyant marketplace. Yeah. Yes. NFTs are the future. Yeah. People are making bank and it's great to know that, your it's it's your original content that you're selling I kind of like that mm-hmm. um because people do really pay a, a lot of money for that and you know some of the bad things about creating art um on other spaces is that um the ability to plagiarize is kind of high but even beyond that the level level of plagiarism will have people claiming that the forgery is the real one and then that's when it kind of gets kind of sketchy so if you want to get on the new wave and also be a bit more you know peace of mind that you have total ownership of who gets to own your art after and you get all of the income comes straight to you maybe look into the nft market 
Yep, definitely, definitely. And, and you know, look, there, there are advisors out there now. Be really careful with who you're looking to seek advice from. But because this is such a new market and a lot of artists are kind of feeling overwhelmed by this idea of like they've got to get into blockchain to sell their art, there are actually people who've popped up now to support artists and they'll take a small commission fee, but they'll help you get your original art listed. You just obviously got to be really careful, but there are ways around it if you feel uncomfortable with blockchain. Yeah, definitely, definitely. That's really good advice, actually, Karina. On that, I would say that the next avenue we're going to go down is a fun one, and it's other platforms that are like paid content platforms like Patreon, but also OnlyFans. Can I do some shameless um, self-promoting? But in the next... So um, your OnlyFans, yes? No, in the next 12 months, you'll also be able to do this on Roxia. Download the app, guys. DM me for an early access code. Yes, no, that that doesn't even need to be a shameless. Just that doesn't need to be a shameless plug, girl. Just plug yourself because that's one thing we need to really encourage people to do. Do download Roxia, guys. It's it's a really awesome social media app that has a lot of really cool integrated features that will really really help artists and creatives, especially. So, really do get on it. It's the future. Mm -hmm. Watch this space. Indeedy. But in the meantime, I feel like the biggest two on the market, Patreon and OnlyFans. Right. Disclaimer. We know the type of content that's commonly associated with OnlyFans. And to be honest, we support people who want to do what they want to do and they're happy doing what they want to do. It's made things a lot safer for a lot of people who do sell sex services to do that or not do that in the way that they wish. So that's my only disclaimer about that. I'm going to move on because we all know what OnlyFans is commonly known for. And the fact that they try to dissociate themselves with that image doesn't necessarily sit right with me because it's like those people are what made your platform what it is. They they are the reason why you have that valuation and now you're trying to kick them off anyway. Anyway, but, you know, on that note, again, as a part of their um, kind of rebrand and their move away from that, they really are commissioning a lot of celebrities and they're giving people um, OnlyFans contracts. So these celebrities that you see on OnlyFans, they're not, not all of them, some of them are, but um, a lot of them actually are like official OnlyFans ambassadors who have been paid contracts to be on the platform. So they get the contract fee and they get a certain cut of their commission like um their money that they make through the platform also but they have a flat rate before they've made a penny on the platform so that's kind of how it's being branched out into it's like a whole different broadcasting space entirely which is very interesting so yeah you can also make non-adult content on OnlyFans but I know a lot of people who do decide to do more so that line of work go on patreon instead just because of like the brand association with patreon is a lot more podcasting and art space and stuff like that but either platform whatever you choose to do on there allows you to be able to sell whatever kind of um services or content you want to kind of sell on there but what i really really like specifically about OnlyFans because i don't really know too much about patreon bar the tier Um, options of some of the podcasts that I know that have additional content on Patreon and just talk about their tier system is essentially they have different payment like monthly payment fees 
and according to what like level of um, payment you have. So for example, let's just say bronze, silver, gold, and it goes up in price as you go up. Um, depending on that, the type of quality content that you're able to access differs, which I think is super interesting because look, if you're already making like a podcast and people generally like it and you have a lot of very dedicated fans, why not kind of cater to those super, super dedicated fans and stands, if you will, and create really personalized content just for a smaller group of people maybe where you talk about different sorts of topics that they choose stuff like that that really allows them to feel like they're being given like an additional service there's some value add why not charge more for it directly it makes sense so that's kind of like one direction people have gone into weirdly enough youtube has actually picked up on this and now um, as well as subscribing to someone's youtube you can join the channel as a member and the membership has like a small fee attached to it it's basically the same you get access to early content it's a bit more interactive you get to interact with the creator a bit more so um yeah that that's what I know about the Patreon version of it. Now, moving a bit more onto OnlyFans, which I know a bit more about. I'm not on the platform, disclaimer. I'm not on the platform. Many requests, not yet follow through. T- too scared. <laughs> um, and actually could not do it in, in, for so many other uh, more legal reasons. But with OnlyFans, um, what I like about um, the platform is that a lot of the creators that have been on it for a while have been very transparent about how much they've managed to earn through OnlyFans. And they've given tips on how to like maximize your reach on OnlyFans. And I've seen a couple of YouTube videos where people kind of like go into detail and they also talk about the um, commission rate, which I think OnlyFans takes 20% of what you make and they used to have like an unlimited amount of tips but they've changed that so I know a bit more about that just because of the online discourse around the platform and some of the controversy so one thing I like about OnlyFans is if you're if you're I'm going to talk about it from the one point of view that I understand it being used in which is like you're for example a very attractive human being or you have maybe very attractive feet. We don't know. People like all sorts of things on that platform and you'll find someone who likes whatever you're putting out. So you have something that people want to pay for. Great. The reason why I'd use like an attractive human being or someone maybe with a bit of a following already on social media. So you have like people who want to actively engage with you is because OnlyFans charges people to um, like you can, charge people to respond to messages which I really think is so elite and so fantastic that that I every single time I get a DM I literally look at it and I think wow people are getting paid to answer DMs on OnlyFans so it I was not going to answer anyway but I'm really not going to answer now like no uh not that every interaction should be monetized but with strangers it probably should if they're interrupting your day and interrupting your space you're not getting paid to reply to them get an only fans then you will um also you can get paid for additional content so for example if you want to post like specific pictures i know not everybody does like over 18 content not suitable for work stuff but there are some instagram girlies who genuinely post the exact same content that is on their Instagram but they just do special only fans editions and because they have like fan bases or like specific people that are interested enough in them to pay more just to get an exclusive picture before it goes on Instagram or to request a picture of them in like their favorite outfit or a themed outfit something like that they're cashing in because it's the interactive 
aspect of it because you're giving that person personalized access to you they're willing to pay for it so why not however I do feel very hmm about recommending it purely because of their stance with like the whole sex worker thing which isn't great but I just want to jump in as well because Mm -hmm. um, I did a lot of research on these type of like um premium subscription platforms and stuff like OnlyFans and they love to post the highlights of like this person's earning a million dollars a month and all this stuff but the average user of OnlyFans actually earns between like a hundred and two hundred dollars a month so like you have to really weigh up obviously you cannot be posting like sex work on there and you might not be posting nudes but if you are don't just think that you're going to do this and it's going to be fine because you're going to buy a house and a car like you might be laying bare online literally posting it all and for the first month you might only have one subscriber at 7.99 and then to to also build this it's like social media it takes time and consistency and effort and you have Mm -hmm. to really weigh up the pros and cons of like how much you want to put on the internet which is literally there forever because OnlyFans doesn't have a mechanism that stops you from screenshotting or taking a picture of Mm -hmm. So, you know, you do just have to think about those things um, and not everyone is going to be making big bank. However, as an additional income stream, it's definitely an option, especially if you're already a social media person and already have a large following. You could just do mm-hmm. like the celebrity thing you were talking about at the start. People, you know, some influencers do use OnlyFans and not Patreon, but it's not actually pornographic content. It's just like behind the scenes of their life. And it's a way to like monetize off it. But it could be like a follow on from already having like a social media following. Exactly. Exactly what Karina says. Like I said, OnlyFans is much more associated with not super for work kind of content over 18 stuff. But it's definitely a platform that is used for other things. And it's more so focused on just getting people that personalized access to you. So I will say for both OnlyFans and Patreon, to be honest, because even Patreon, you're not really making money on that unless you already have a following on another platform, because you need to have given people that exposure to your work kind of for free first for them to want to pay for more of it and personalized content for them because who's going to want like personalized content if they don't know what generic content you make that's how I think about it so these platforms are for people who maybe already have a bit of a following on another platform and just want to give the opportunity for people to have more personalized content and greater access but in in a more economically viable way let's say let's say but Karina's completely right these only fans girls that are selling you dreams of like I bought a house all cash in like the best place in Miami because of my only fan income yeah like they are like one percent of the one percent of the people on that platform and it really not to get too preachy about this because this really isn't the topic and we've got other stuff to really talk about before we wrap up the episode but I think sex work should not be presented as like a light easy option for people to go into especially if you're a young woman that doesn't necessarily see yourself doing that for a long period of time because of the way society is a lot of the stigma about that might follow you so you really need to think about the repercussions of doing that line of work from the beginning because unfortunately it does exist and we'd we'd be lying if we said it didn't absolutely I second everything you've just said completely agree 
wonderful right oh so we're coming towards the end of the list it's exciting i hope this has helped you guys so far we've really tried to make it as like diverse as possible so we've got every type of person kind of covered depending on like what they might like so now we're going on to like some of the more traditional advice that we generally give but now we are going to go back to our usual stomping ground and talk a bit about investment income so um, I think there's like three big categories that we can talk about so stock investing crypto investing and also like generic generic (laughs) um, but housing investments so rental income and we have other episodes on how to invest in stocks, but basically when you buy shares and stocks, they that word's used interchangeably, you kind of benefit from the appreciation in value, but you know, there's equal opportunity for the stock to go down. So we do recommend you maybe go back to our previous episodes and actually listen to our advice um, on how to learn about stocks first, how to get into um, that and educate yourself before you maybe dive both feet first and assume that this is a guaranteed win and an easy way to make money. And the reason why stock investment is one that requires a lot more patience and is a bit more difficult is because generally speaking, these returns should be seen over a longer period of time. So what I would give as a primary piece of advice, specifically with stock market investing, is exercising patience because not every single time you pick a stock it's going to go straight up like 10 percent overnight these things take time they take consistent investment also investing in one share and just leaving it alone will only do so much you'll maximize gains and also losses Um, but um, by doubling down and and buying inconsistently. So just being patient, buying inconsistently and researching about what you're buying will really get you far with investing, but it's something that you definitely should look into doing if you're keen on building generational wealth, because the only way really for us to effectively get further in the ladder and progress ourselves and our families is to think about the future and investing allows you to kind of have that multiplier make each pound that you earn work harder and you know turn into considerable amount of income especially by the time you retire they have charts that show you how much like for example like a hundred dollars will compound over time and that really like changed my mindset and really made me want to consider investing so definitely look at that because you'll be shocked at how much so little can do if you start investing early and then the next one on that point is crypto me and Karina talked a little bit about crypto on the last episode and how we're both going to really actively try and invest a bit more in this space but I don't know Karina if you want to talk a bit more about crypto again um yeah in terms of passive income I think you know you it's one of those ones where it's not going to be same with investing in stocks and shares. It's not going to be an instant gratification. You're not going to feel it every month unless you start like withdrawing your coin. And the best thing to do with crypto is to hold it. But this is part of the, you know, at the start of the episode when I was talking about um, capital gains income. So 
you've got to be quite clear if people are going down this route of investing in crypto for passive for additional income streams that it's not going to be like you're not going to see a direct deposit in your bank account every month but you are getting that capital gains in income where over a long long period of time this asset is now um, increasing in value can also depreciate too but generally increasing so yeah crypto i think go back to the previous episode if you want a bit more on that but it's definitely the future of of where money is going to be fiat is probably going out of date by every second we speak so yeah we've both spoke about this but we're big supporters of crypto definitely and if you would like us to do like a crypto novice episode because we are not professionals we are not giving you financial advice but we can give you a bit of an insight to how we as like complete crypto newbies have kind of gone in done the research what's done well for us what's done badly and how we want to get a bit better about learning about the space and like investing moving forward we're more than happy to share our little crypto journeys with you if you guys will be interested so do let us know and we can also talk a bit about uh, the different platforms we use because i'm pretty sure karina uses a different platform for me as well yeah i use a few different ones see see so we can we can put together a little something that might be helpful (laughs) right and then the last one to wrap up today's app which is full of so much advice and and a lot of information so like do take your time and if you need to like re-listen specific parts that kind of fit more with you do but the very last one is rental income which is a nice like traditional way that people can make some additional money and you know what renting is I think a lot of us especially um, as most of our viewership is from the UK a lot of us know um, what it's like to rent and have rented at some point so essentially you would buy a property and you would have tenants come in and pay your monthly kind of rental fee but the reason why I wanted to add um, rental income here is not just to talk about traditional renting but also to talk about the possibility of house hacking so if you're someone who's gotten to a point where you can actually afford to have a home but you also want to get some additional income, there are some other options that you can do to kind of make both those dreams come true, but also be able to actually live in the home that you've bought. So if you're fortunate enough, especially to have done this before um, you're in a long-term committed relationship or have kids, more likely than not, you don't necessarily need all the different rooms in a property if you've bought a property with more than one room because single room properties are actually more expensive, um, generally speaking. So what's going to stop you from renting out any spare space that you do have to potential tenants, but also living in the house almost as a tenant yourself? Nothing, right? But it means that you have someone else who lives with you that actually helps you pay your mortgage and I find that really interesting I was watching a couple of TikToks and there was one I found really funny and this girl was basically um kind of making a funny TikTok about the fact that her and her boyfriend happened to quote find a perfect house for them to rent but um she's actually the owner of the house and she's trying to figure out how to tell him (laughs) uh so yeah that that's maybe signifying something problematic in their relationship but besides that the idea is there like if if you are fortunate enough to have the money to have bought a place and you want to live in it there's nothing that stops you from maybe getting your friends to move in with you or even buying a house with friends and you know living in it instead of paying rent 
or living somewhere else, that's another option because that's something that I'm actually considering doing, which is buying a house um, that I might not actually live in at all, um, but using the rental income to actually leverage leverage um, and put into me getting an apartment that I do actually live in. So yeah, uh, there's, there's lots of way to use um, rental income money and have that work for you. A lot of people even do Airbnbs, for example. So yeah, definitely look a bit more into that. But I think going into any of these options would probably require another episode to get into any kind of debt that we have limited time. Just to wrap up now, I wanted to talk a little bit about the realities of living with man- living with and managing multiple income streams. Um, and that's something I've been doing now for a couple of years. And again, this is just going to be really brief and I won't go into too much detail about it right now, but it's definitely something we can talk about in the future of like managing money and having different bank accounts. But For listeners who don't know me personally, I know most of y'all are my friends, but for those who don't know me, um, my earned income is through Shadow to Shine, which is a charity, and that's like my wage every month. But then I also am co-founder in Aproxia, and I get some income from that, but I also um got paid in shares and equity in the company as well. And then I have K Squared London, which is like a training consultancy company. And then I do consultancy on the side as a freelancer. And then obviously like investing, having dividends. And I've recently just started trying to like sell stuff on eBay and Depop. And it can be a lot and a bit overwhelming. And I just wanted to give some advice that I wish I knew starting out for people is that um, when you're going into multiple income streams, one of the biggest and most important things that you need, like utmost priority need to do is open more than one bank account you should not be having all of these different income streams going into one bank account because it becomes one, incredibly confusing, but two, also the not, not the most tax effective thing to do. And again, this isn't an episode on tax, so I won't go into it too much. But for things like your earned income, like your main nine to five or whatever your job is, that should always just be going into your current account. But it's also useful that if you're setting up companies, if you're doing things like depop on a serious level if you're doing any drop shipping seriously or even if you're starting a little company like my um k squared london company is open up a business account now there's banks like monzo and starling these internet banks where you can do it really simply you pass a few like kyc checks which is like just to prove that you're really you and you can get a business bank account within a week and they're completely free as well if you get the basic account But the benefit of doing this, of having a business account, is that once you start earning over 75k, you can get VAT registered, you can claim these things back, but also you can manage your money. So anything that I do that involves kind of travel, work meetings, buying things for work, including the clothes that I wear for work, getting my hair done, because you know you have to be presentable. There's so many ways that you can spend things and expense them. And all of the things that you expense gets taken away from your taxable income. So by the end of the year, let's say you've started one year and your business has earned 20K, but you spent 10K on expenses, only 10K of your money is actually taxable, which is below the threshold. So you can have tax-free years and things like that. And it's not illegal. It's fully legal. It's what all businesses and people do. But if it's all going into your current account, it can be really confusing what money's what. You might spend the wrong thing. You might not be putting the right amount away for tax. And if you are doing the gig work like on Fiverr or you're doing some consultancy stuff like I do, it's worth also registering as um, 
either like a sole trader or self-employed because again you can open a secondary bank account and have income going into that bank account and the reason I say this is because when you're compartmentalizing your income streams it becomes easier for you to navigate but also um more just generally more efficient for yourself and easier to save too because I think for a lot of us if we're seeing regular money coming in our account but also in dribs and drabs you don't know necessarily how much you're earning but let's say on the first of every month you make a point of checking all of your bank accounts to see what you've earned those months and then get an understanding of how much each individual income stream is making you because let's let's take an example of your drop shipping income stream if you're getting five pound here ten pound there fifteen pound there every now and again in your current account at the end of the month you don't necessarily know how much drop shipping has made you unless you go through your statements go through a calculator add it all up but if you have a separate drop shipping bank account you might see right this month you've brought in 500 pounds but it's taken you 45 hours of work and when you work it out you're earning like I don't know just over 10 pound an hour and you realize it's not worth that and those those hours those 45 hours of work could be better spent on enhancing another income stream where you're making a thousand pounds but only doing 10 hours of work and it's a good way to have an overview of what how these different income streams are performing and that's kind of all I'm going to say for now because I know this has been an info overload episode but I would like to go more into this in the future and how you can like assess these income streams and compartmentalize them properly and also find the time and use your time in the most efficient way when you're doing this stuff as well yeah I definitely second that and I really really like Karina's tax advice because that's one thing I would say people can always improve is using the tax loopholes that are out there effectively that's why people get wealth managers to kind of specialize in this but there's ways that us regular folk can maximize our earnings by being a bit more up to date and in the know about what tax kind of effective ways we could be managing our money and one even for people who have regular jobs um register as a limited liability company guys and get paid through your company it's a, it's a great way to minimize your tax this is not financial advice but it is a great way to minimize your tax yeah, there, are so, there are so many brilliant ways to um minimize your tax payments and just to be explicitly clear this is not tax avoidance because it's all perfectly within the law so if it's there you we should be using it there are people Mm -hmm. who have the money to pay specialists and we when we've done the work like this to understand it ourselves it's I think it's really important to pass on this knowledge because there's billionaires paying no tax and those everyday people paying 20 35 percent tax some of us 40 percent plus tax so yeah minimize it as much as possible I for me personally my earned income is my highest amount of tax and I don't intend to ever get taxed that much on any of my other forms of income so the more you know the better it can be exactly that thank you guys for joining us for this episode we we know it's been long but we hope that even if you don't do this in one listen you really do take time to like listen to the specific sections of advice that you think that could work for you and please do let us know how you do get on and don't feel afraid to reach out to us if you'd like any further resources or just want to talk to us about how we've gotten on if we've tried any of these things ourselves or if we haven't we'll we'll know to make another episode where we can talk about it more in depth maybe invite guests on that can actually give you advice from their personal experiences also yeah absolutely and in the show notes I'll try and put some like brief 
um, timestamps of where different parts of the episode is. So if you just want to fast forward some bits or get to bits that are more relevant to you, it'll be easier for you to do so. Fantastic. Well, thank you for joining us for another episode for episode 10. As we know, that's a decade. (laughs) (laughs) Our decade episode. Listen, watch when episode 12 comes. I'm ready. (laughs) Exactly. Unless it's a baker's dozen. A baker's dozen is 13. Yeah, baker's dozen is 13. A dozen is 12, right? Exactly. So we can celebrate a dozen twice after, which actually kind of is lit, right? Yeah, that's lit. And 13's my lucky number too. So I can't wait for our Baker's Dozen episode. So look, there we go. I might even get some bread for that occasion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah thank you so much for tuning in. And as you know, we're, we're happy to have you join the conversation over on our socials, which we've plugged a million times. So I'll plug again. It's at Clued Up But Clueless on IG and on everything that we're on so far, which is just IG. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.